0: We have been in a series and we've been enjoying learning about the pre-incarnate Christ and knowing just uh, how the Lord just loved coming in episodes of meeting with his people and so So last week we discovered the faithfulness of God through the flood and he was calling his people to get ready When that door shut in that ark, the ones that didn't have faith and followed the word that the Lord had, they didn't make it. And that was a very sad situation, but the Lord does provide the ark and he does have the call. So, um, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to know that the Lord has provision for his people. I'm going to invite you to go to Genesis, uh, Genesis 17, chapter 17. Before we get there, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the history that's been going on. Uh, Abraham, uh, just a cool dude. I love the Old Testament. I love what God does with all of his people when he meets them. And you just, uh, you know, as you know, Eve's one of my favorite people people and the women at the women's retreat know why, but it's just seeing the progression of the Lord with his people. So we get to Abraham, which God is creating covenant with, and when he creates the covenant with Abraham, this is a covenant that actually we go, we, we go back to that. It is where God began his people calling them out, but he calls out a man and a leader first and the leader is Abraham. And he's met with him. And so before we get to where we're going, I just want to let you know that the Lord has met with Abraham and he has committed to have covenant with him. Now, we don't use that word a lot today. Covenant's like, oh, that's just, you know, that's Old Testament word. That is a serious word with God. Covenant is a binding agreement. The, I guess the closest we would have maybe is like in marriage. Uh, but even that, some you know, sometimes we don't hold to the covenant. And so... God holds to his covenant and he walked through the animals that they had prepared with Abraham and committed to him that you are in covenant with me and I'm in covenant with you. In other words, God had a promise to Abraham that he was going to make him a man of many nations, many people as the stars. You can't count them. You can't count the grain of sand. And so this is going to be the number of people that is going to come forth. But these people are God's people. They're not just nations. They're, they're following him. And so as we look further, you can read it later, but I'll just share with you one of the things that God came to Abraham after that and said, I want you, since you're in covenant with me, to obey me, to follow me, and I want you to be a chosen people. And as being a chosen person... In my covenant, I'm going to require you to do something, and that something is called circumcision. And many of you know what that is. Uh, a lot of you might not remember when you were. Most people, it's boys. It happens with eight years of age. But there were a lot of older people in the camp, and so it was kind of a painful situation that they were dealing with. And you'd think, why does God do that? Why is God a, a bloody God? Well, the reason He is is He was. He was showing them that they were to be separate. They were to be His people. They were to be His. And this this circumcision is somewhat of a picture of your heart. And oftentimes we talk about when the Lord comes into our heart, and you're like, well, what is that? How does that happen? Uh, For me, it happened when I was 21 years old. I was single. Uh, I'd been married. I went through a divorce. I was a single mom. I'd gone through a lot of pain in my life a lot of rejection and things that had happened to me that just caused a lot of pain. And I'd become hardened and I'd become very sinful and by out working in life. And then uh, the Lord, when I asked him to come into my life, I was sitting in a little church and I asked Jesus to come into my heart and my life. I came forward and I held my hand to say yes to Jesus. And when I did that, I committed my life to him. I entered into that covenant that he had already provided. And when I did that, he did something in me. He took my stony heart and he gave me a heart of flesh. And what that means is where I could only sense and feel things with God from the world and I had no relationship, all of a sudden I get a new heart and a new spirit. And now I can hear God. I can hear his voice, not literal. It's, it's in your soul, in your heart. I can read his word. He speaks to me. I have a friend. I have a comforter. I have salvation, which means he has cleansed me, cleansed me from all the evil, the bad, the sinful things, the rejection that I gave to him of not following him all those years. And as I came to him... I began to have a new life. All of a sudden, my eyes were open spiritually. My ears were open. I began to see that that the Lord was alive, that he loved me. And so this covenant, and that's what the circumcision represented. We hadn't got to Jesus yet as a baby and on the cross, but God was giving pictures. He was giving types of what it meant To be his people. So I want you to look with me as we're going to go to uh, chapter 17, verse 15. And in this, Abraham is married to a wife named Sarah. And Sarah uh, and Abraham have already had a child. Because they knew they were going to be uh, this, this great prophetic word from God. And, and the nations was in their womb. And, and, and they were going to birth all of this. And, and so they got really busy and started doing some things that weren't in God's line. And they, they could, she couldn't make a baby. Sarah was barren. Tried and tried and tried. They couldn't make a baby. In their culture, that was not a good thing. That meant you weren't blessed of God. And so for her, this was a shame. So what she does, we may say, oh Sarah, well you know that that was really a wrong choice. But if you understood their culture, that's what they did. So Sarah goes to Abraham. She's much older. They're way past their prime. They're way past their 80s. They can't, you know, him and his 90s. They can't have a baby. And so she's looking around. Well, Abraham was a very wealthy man. They had servants. Sarah had servants. So Sarah ends up saying, hey, Abraham, I got a solution to our problem. Why don't you go in with my servant girl, have sex with her, and have a baby, create a baby. Then we'll have a child. That sounds like a good plan. It wasn't uh, looked down upon in the culture to do that. So Abraham's thinking, well, yeah, yeah, this is, this is the way it's going to work. Let's do it. He, of course, he, of course he was happy. And so he does this thing, he does this thing and she conceives and has a baby and that baby is Ishmael. And that's where we, we get, you know, some of the, well, the conflicts that we have going on now with Israel and Palestine and Ishmael was that tribe and, uh, Israel, uh, you'll see where that comes out of. And so, um, here they are, this baby is uh, probably about uh, 13, 14 by now. And they, they have their, their child for God in his plan. And in verse 15, God comes to Abraham and says, As for Sarah, your wife, you're no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. Verse 16, I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Wow. Okay. She's past her prime. You know, God's coming. He's telling Abraham this. He's changing Sarai to Sarah. He started with giving her a new name. You'll understand why that's so important as we move on. So, he says, I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her. And so, in 17, it says, Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, now look at this. God's speaking to Abraham. He, he happens to be God. He is speaking to the guy that he's bringing out as the father of the nations. He's telling him what he's going to do. Abraham is, is laughing. Now, is this laugh a mock to God? Or is this laugh kind of like just uh, unbelief, like this is the craziest thing I've ever heard, but so be it. But we don't see this because Abraham goes on to do this in verse 18. He says, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. How about that, God? Can this blessing that you're giving me, can this purpose, can this plan... Can Ishmael bring it forth? How about that? He's already 14. I've invested in him for, for years. I've discipled him as a great hunter, and he fishes, and, and he's a great character, and he's a wonderful boy. Won't you just bless him? Because, listen, God, we, we got no, no, nothing, no tools to work with here. Then God said, Yes. But your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. Isaac is God's plan. He says, I will establish my covenant with him, an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. So you see, this is going to be the blessing, Isaac. He's going to have descendants. He's going to be on the scene. Right now, there's no possible way for this to come about. He says, as for Ishmael, this is God talking to Abraham. I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be a father of 12 rulers and I will make him and to a great nation. Well, there we have the Palestinians and we have all the the different uh, tribes and people that God has made. Uh, So what I find interesting is that God was willing to take the plan that's already happened and already established and in his sovereignty make a, a beautiful purpose for Ishmael. But what God is saying is this, You're not going to thwart my plan. I already created the plan. It's the plan I want. Now listen to me. But he says, but my covenant, remember we just talked about what covenant was, what they did to have covenant with God. I will establish this covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear. To you by this time next year, when he had finished speaking with Abraham, God left. So basically he said, you're going to have this child. This child is going to be named Isaac. He will be a son and Sarah will birth him. So maybe they continued to try. I don't know what happened, but we get to chapter 18 and in chapter 18, What we're fixing to see is the pre-incarnate Christ. It says the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looks up and he saw three men standing nearby When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. So what we're seeing here, don't think about the pup tent that the guys are out at the field camping in this weekend. That was not the kind of tent that we're looking at here. What we're looking at, think about a sheik. Think about a sheik that had a tent that was probably as big as this whole, you know, maybe church. I don't know. Abraham was a very wealthy man. Abraham had cattle and sheep and, and probably donkeys and, you know, all kinds of stuff. They had servants. He and Sarah were very wealthy. She had servants. So we're looking at a wealthy man and we see that these three men appear. And when he sees them, he hurries The entrance of the tent to meet them, and he bows to the ground. Well, I can tell you that Abraham is not going to bow to any false God. Abraham is not going to bow down to anybody, not even an angel. Abraham's bowing only to the God he's in covenant with, that he has committed to, and God is committed to him. And so what we see here is a picture of the pre-incarnate Christ showing up in a form. Now, he doesn't have the body that he had as, you know, when he comes on the scene with Mary. But God is God, and he can show up how he wants. He is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he is visiting his chosen person. So as we see this, he's bowing low to the ground. He says in verse 3, If I found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree, which was probably an enormous shade tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Can you imagine if if the Lord showed up at your house today for lunch? I mean, are you prepared? What would you have? What would you feel? Uh, I I just will stop here with a little story. I didn't tell it in the last service because... Because we didn't have as much time, but I can keep you guys longer. So what, what happened when we were newly married, we lived on Sanibel. I'm a new pastor's wife. I am a pastor now, but at the time I was raising children and I was a pastor's wife. There was a difference. And so as my husband and I were young, we're, we haven't been married that long. I had my single baby. He adopted her. It's a whole beautiful thing. Matter of fact, she led you in worship with the blonde hair today. And uh, that is her daddy and always has been. So uh, beautiful So, he had a seminary professor that was coming to visit us. They were staying on the island. We lived at the church. When I say lived at the church, my office is there. But at our smaller church, it was about just this size we had a door that went through our baby's bedrooms, my living room, our bathroom, which the whole church used, and so we lived there. and so his pastor, I was intim- not pastor professor, seminary professor. I was intimidated they were coming, didn't know them hardly, I only met them one time. and so the seminary professor knocks on my door, and I open the door. Jamie's back in his office studying and he looks at me and he says, well, hi, Kim. Nice to see you. I said, hi. Uh, you know, forget his name now, but we're, I'm shaking his hands, Dr. Williams. So I'm shaking and Georgia. So I'm shaking their hands. And he said, wow, we have come hungry. He said, we, uh, we didn't eat all day because we were, we were going to, we knew you were fixing a hot meal, a really good meal. Jamie told us you would have fried chicken and you know, and none of this got communicated to me. And so I have nothing in the house. We were poor. I have some white bread and peanut butter and jelly. And so I'm like, I, I turned ghostly pale. I was so upset. I panicked. I ran back out to the office where Jamie was. I said, I said oh, yeah, sure, we'll be right back. And I walked into Jamie's office, and I said, do you realize you're professor here I he I've cooking?" Oh, my God, I got nothing to do, you know, the whole thing. And Jamie's like, what? I didn't say anything. And we go back out to the door. We said, you know, guys, uh, we can take you to lunch, but we didn't re- he laughed his butt off. He laughed. This guy does this to people all the time. It was a big setup. Just, just took me to the core. I was just broken over that. But they got a big... They probably laughed about that for the next year, telling their friends about this little, this little girl at 21 didn't know what was going on. So anyway, but you can imagine, uh, you know, you, you've got the pre-incarnate Christ coming standing there with two angels number one I'm I'm like I didn't know angels feet got dirty I mean I guess I thought they just kind of stayed clean you know I don't know and I certainly didn't know anybody needed to rest like that and I certainly didn't know that they ate food and I'm like what we I didn't know they had a digestive system you just see them as these these beings and I'm like hmm this is a whole different picture here I like this I'm seeing this Says, very well, they said, We will we will stay. Verse 6. So Abraham hurries into the tent with Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seals of finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. It takes a little while to bake bread. And then he ran to the herd and he selected a choice of tender calf and gave it to the servants who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds, which is probably like a cheese kind of thing, and milk and cat from the calf that had been prepared and set these before them while they ate he stood nearby you know I'm reading this and I'm thinking uh, I'll just give you a little inside information with me I I don't eat veal I Jamie's always getting it at restaurants and I don't eat it I always look at him say that's not that's not right that's I eat meat but it's like that's a baby cow that baby hasn't had time to grow up and have a life and get fat. And, and Jamie always goes, yeah, but it's tender. It's really good. And I'm like, so I think I'm going to go home and have some today because wait a minute, is G- Jesus can sit here and have calf and cheese and milk. And I like to study what they ate because it makes me all these things you, you get in the, you know, Instagram, what all this stuff you eat this, don't eat that, eat this. You can't have that. You can't have this. You go, it's just mind boggling. You go, oh, but so you see see all of this Abraham is bringing his best to his Lord he has prepared the best but all of a sudden we see that the Lord was on a mission he had a mission wasn't just to have lunch with Abraham and Sarah he had a purpose he was coming. Actually, I actually had a couple of purposes and I can't get into the next one. I studied for it for a while because that's where I thought I was going. And then the Lord told me I was going here. And so as we see, one of them said, I will sure, where is your wife, Sarah? They asked there in the tent, he said. And then he said, one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening. I bet she was. I'd be listening too. If I was sitting at the door of my big tent and we just fed Jesus and uh, the pre-incarnate Christ and, and his two angels, I'd have my ear glued to the wall wanting to know what's up, why are they here, what are they doing. And Sarah's listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. So, they don't see Sarah. She's behind them. Abraham and Sarah were already very old. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing, verse 12. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? You know she didn't laugh to the Lord. You know, she's behind him in the tent. He knows what's been going on in Sarah's heart. He knows that this isn't the, this is an outward expression of what she's already laughed at him about in her heart. The promise of God, the promises that he brings. What does he say? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why does Sarah laugh? Will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? The Lord is saying, is anything too hard for me? You got to know what's happening in Sarah's heart at this moment. Sarah has lost hope. Sarah has lost her dream of being part of the solution, part of the promise of God. Do you know what it must have been like for Sarah to sit back and watch Hagar have the child and Abraham and Hagar kind of raising the child together in the next tent? Or maybe they had to bring him in because it was his child. She had to feel like she was on the outskirts. She had to feel like the promise, she wasn't good enough for the promise. She had to feel like because she was so old, God had surely passed her by. And so as she's dealing with all of this in her heart, the Lord's probing. The Lord is calling out faith in Sarah. Faith had died in Sarah's heart. The faith in who was faithful the faith in who loved her, the faith that who had a plan for her, who gave her the promise with Abraham. So as she's being called out in faith and God is challenging her about this and that by this time next you will have a child, don't you know there was some quick repenting going on here? Because it says in verse 15, Sarah was afraid. So she lied. I didn't laugh. I, no, 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 I, God, no, I didn't laugh at you. Uh-uh, Mm-mm. no, I've been, I've been believing this whole time. I've been believing. She was weary. She did laugh. She had quit in her spirit. She had let go of the promises in her life. You may be here today, and maybe there has been some promises that God has given you in the past. Maybe there's been some words, some visions, some things that you've known that God has said to you, and you've let them die, and you've let them be buried beneath the earth. You did not believe that God, because what happens in the waiting, we're all guilty The Lord makes us wait, oftentimes, to build character. And when you build character, then there's hope. And she's getting to the hope part. But the character has been a long time coming to where she has waited. She got weary with God. She got weary with his stalling and and not making it happen. And then her unbelief set in. And then her doubt Where is this promise? What she also did is she decided to give God her flesh. We do this as Christians. We come up with a game plan that sounds good because we don't see God doing what we want him to do right now. So we come up with a game plan and it's pretty good sometimes. It looks real good. God surely is going to accept my plan. This is my flesh plan. I've got great creative ideas for you, God. I can tell you where I need to live, where I need to work, who I need to marry. You know, look at my plan. Will you bless my plan? He doesn't condemn us. He didn't with Sarah. He doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't disqualify her. When we mess up and we give God our plan, he doesn't disqualify us because we did something that comes back to bite us, comes back to hurt us, comes back to not be the best thing that God had for our lives. I did not laugh. How many times have you laughed? Is God calling you out today? You may be laughing here today about even believing that God can save you and that he wants to and that all the things that you know in your mind and heart that you have done and maybe in rejecting and not living for him and maybe, maybe there's some really, really bad things He doesn't reject you. He doesn't disqualify you from his promise. He says, you can be mine. You can be mine. He died on that cross. He shed his blood so that you might have life and have it abundantly. He didn't say, clean up your act. When I was a young girl, I had a lot of of stuff that I'd walk through. He didn't look at me and say, clean it up, Kim, start being good, measure up to this performance, and then I'll accept you. That's not who our God is. What I love about Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ here, is that he comes looking for us. He wanted to commune. He delighted, he knew he was coming on the cross as baby Jesus down the line and then the ultimate sacrifice, but he wanted, he couldn't wait to commune ahead of time. So he took a form and he comes with the angels and he's communing with Abraham. Why? Because he's God. Why? Because he can. And, and, and Sarah, he's letting her know, no, 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 Sarah, this is as much about you as Abraham. Your blood Your bloodline will be a part of this union. Isaac is a promise. You know what Isaac means. Isaac means laughter. So she does have the baby. She does have the son. She goes on and and has the baby. And when you think about it, he said, this time next year. Well, we don't know the month. But what we do know is it takes nine months to have a baby. Uh, And if the son's going to be there, if he shows up next year, and the son's already going to be there. Well, that's probably at least a month or something. So those two just have a couple of months to get busy. And I'm thinking as soon as Jesus and the angels left... I'm thinking it began, something, something started happening. Sarah started, Sarah started feeling different. Sarah started like, hmm, she had a little different look in her eyes. She's looking at, she looking at Abe like, hmm, you're starting to look pretty good there, Abe. She started making herself ready. Everything in her body started functioning as it had before. You don't have a baby unless it does. Abraham is like, hmm, all right, let's get it on. There they go. They're getting busy. They're making Isaac. They get Isaac, the baby. God completes his promise. Isaac is being birthed and so we have this isaac his name means laughter that means two things to me a little bit of a reminder to sarah that she laughed at god in his promise but then the other thing because god's so good is you're going to laugh from here on out you and Abraham are going to have this baby. You're going to lift it up. You're going to carry it on your shoulders. The whole, uh, all the people are going to know that I'm a God that keeps his promise, that I'm a miracle working God, and that Isaac is going to birth many nations. The, the nation is going to be many people as a sand and as the stars. You can't even number the people that are going to come forth. You go into Isaac, Jacob, and Esau you go down to Joseph, you go down and Jesus ultimately in the bloodline, we come in grafted into this family of Abraham and, uh, this, this family, God's people. We get grafted in how we get grafted in by saying yes to Jesus. It's that simple. I don't have to go back and be uh, an Israelite. I can today say, like I did some 40 something years ago, yes, To Jesus, take my life, take my soul, take everything. I want what you have to give me. He gave me, took that heart of stone, and He turned it into a heart of flesh. Now my heart wanted to do good things, now my heart wanted to be righteous. Now my heart wanted to sit with him in my room and study. And I opened up this Bible. I remember my mom calling the pastor saying, what's wrong with her? She goes to come home from work and she goes in a room and she stays for hours. I was in love with this Jesus. I fell in love with the master that loved me. He had a plan. He had a purpose. He saw me before I was in my mother's womb. He saw me and he didn't just see me. He said, I see you. I like her and I love her and I have a plan for her. And that's what the Lord's saying to you today. He sees you. He likes you, he loves you, and he has a plan for your life today. Now, sometimes we've got that hard heart and we don't want to yield our pride, fear, reputation, and we don't accept it. I often tell people about that are trying so hard to get salvation from God. I said, if you've got a a faith as a mustard seed, which is the tiniest seed that they make, that's all God's asking for Just take that little seed of faith and plant it in his hand. He takes it, he takes you, and he bursts the miracle in your heart. And he becomes the God and life that you need. And he has a plan and he has a purpose for you. I want you to go with me one more place. See, God was pouring new life. Some of us need new life today. Some of us need the life of Christ in our hearts. In verse, uh, I love the Hall of Fame. You can read it later in 11, Hebrews 11. And it talks about all the great men of God and women of God and what they did. It's a big deal to get in the Hall of Fame. So really super things happen to get in the Hall of Fame. As we look in 1111, 11, it says, And by faith, even Sarah was past childbearing age was enabled to bear children because she, why? Why is he telling us she was able to bear this child? She considered him faithful. She considered him faithful who what? Made the promise. If God has made a promise to you, he will keep it. If you have come to him as a son and daughter, you are his. You do not have to worry about your life. What you have to worry about is making sure you don't hand him your flesh in the sense of your decisions, your desires, how you're going to make it better. The, the choices you're going to make without him. But when you hand him faith and you wait on him, Sarah grew weary and Abraham in the waiting process. That's where we lose the battle. It's taking too long. I think it should have happened by now. God doesn't care. He's not really going to bring it to fruition. He does care and he is going to bring it to fruition. If he said it, he's going to make it happen. What we have to do is line up with him, come into submission and honor of him. Be what happens in waiting. Character. You can't build character any other way than the long journey of persevering. And when you have character, the Bible says in the New Testament, then you have hope, and hope bears fruit. So if you're here today and you're feeling you're in that place of, of hopelessness and, and, you know, you're just you're trying to do life on your own, We do so many things to attempt to get God's blessing and favor. You know, he's not, there, there's a lot of religions out there that are, that are doing everything. But somebody said, had said that God's the only God that offers comfort. There's a lot of stuff out there offering you. A bunch of stuff to perform, perform, perform. If you do this, if you do that, if you do this. God's saying he wants what he had with Abraham. What did he show up at the tent? He wanted to commune with him. That's the humility of our God. He's not some hard God that you can't please. He's a God that wants to come close. He's a God that wants to come near. He's a God that wants to have fellowship with his people. This is why he created us, so that he could have fellowship with you. I love that about God. I love that it took me a long time to figure that out. I wasn't in a denomination that taught so much about that. And I've learned over the years. Uh, a lot of you may be here today and you may feel lonely. You, know, you can be in a crowd and be lonely. You can be in a marriage and be lonely. You can have children and be lonely. You can have friends, smile, do the party thing and be lonely. You see, the Lord has an answer for that. He wants to meet you in that lonely place. He's here this morning. He's here to meet you and he's faithful. So I want to pray a prayer with you. And the first prayer I want to pray is for some of you that maybe you'll take that bold step I did a lot of years ago. Maybe this will be your day that you'll say yes to Jesus as your Lord. So I'm going to invite you to stand. And I'm going to pray a prayer with you. And this is just a prayer to invite him into your heart and into your life. There's nobody here, no matter what you've done, where you've been, what's happened in your life, who's hurt you and damaged you. There's nobody here that he will disqualify. The thing he disqualifies is the unbelief that says, no, thank you. I don't need you. I'll handle this on my own. I don't want your your great plan god i'm sorry for you in that case but it takes humility just like he took humility to get dirt on his feet and let his feet be washed and to come have a meal cooked by humans and just fe- cele- f- celebrate under a uh, you know on a hot day under a tree god humbled himself to hang on that tree called the cross So that you and I could have salvation, so we could have that freedom. He's here today. He's inviting you. I'm going to pray a prayer with you, and you just simply invite him into your heart. Just pray with me, Lord Jesus. I thank you so much that you died on that cross for me, that you came to earth and you shed your blood. You were beaten, you were whipped. You were ridiculed. You were mocked. But you did it. If I was the only one, you would do it just for me. I thank you for that. I ask you to forgive me of my sin of rejecting you. I invite you into my heart and into my soul that you'll take that heart of stone and give me your heart of flesh. I want to know you today and I receive you as my Lord and my Savior in Jesus' name.